0: Well, everybody, Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Nationals Podcast, joined by Peter Pratt of the Locked On Marlins Podcast, a crossover as we preview another series between these two foes. We'll check in on how both teams are doing, what the moves look like as we head closer to the MLB trade deadline. We'll just get Peter's also overall his general thoughts uh, as well, but first of all, Peter, how you doing, man? It's been a, it's been a month or so, I think, since I've seen you.
1: It has, brother. Great to be on. Great to talk. Uh, it's you know, listen. Whenever we've spoken, uh, the Marlins have typically done pretty well uh, against the Nats, so let's hope that trend continues. Uh, but uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's yeah Thursday here, UK time, 9 p.m. So everything's all good. Uh, off day. So what that mm-hmm. means for us, UK fans, it means we have an early night. An early night, none of these 1 a.m. starts. We just go and have an early, you know, nice little 10 p.m. snooze. So, looking forward to Yeah, that. I was going
0: to say, are you going to bed after we're done recording this?
1: Pretty much, I'd say, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's last night was a bit of a late one. I tried, I, you know, whenever Sandy's going, yeah. um, you know. He was going uh, last
0: night, too. He was, and he was, he was going.
1: <laughs> he was going. Exactly. <laughs> because they were playing in St. Louis on Central time, It's the start time was like quarter to one. So, it was a bit of a late start. And then um, I kind of you know, tried to hang it out, but... In the end, dozed off and missed all of the action in the ninth until the morning. So, um, yeah, it's it could be a bit brutal for us UK fans. That game probably finished at like four AM UK time. So, yeah. that's a tough one.
0: Um, so, I, I usually like to set up where where everybody is is at right now. The Washington Nationals are twenty nine and forty nine. They have a three seventy two winning percentage. 19 games back in the division. They have a minus 109 run differential. They've lost one in the current streak, but they are six and four in the last 10, which is is decent. The Marlins are 34 and 40. They're 12 games back in the division. They're 19 and 16 at home, which is positive. Positive record at home is, is always good. They do have a plus five run differential, which is good. They've won one. They're five and five in their last 10. I just want to go back to last night. Like, you know, I saw the Mets start for Sandy Alcantara. Not his, not as best. But last night, man, he was out there just fighting. I mean, a complete game. What he throws he ends up throwing what a hundred and seventeen pitches, eighteen. It was one fifteen when they had the mound visit. I know that, yeah. and then he gets a double play to win the game, I believe. Uh, and and it's just like this guy is—he's got it working. We always, you know, it's funny because. We didn't think he would be the one out of this group. He had a shot at being really good out of this, this pitching group. And obviously the Jose Fernandez thing is is really sad and tragic. But the other guys, you know, for other reasons, haven't been all the way up yet. And, and he has really just ascended to a point where he's not the best guy in the staff. He's not the best, best guy, you know, in the National League. He might be the best pitcher going, period, right now in all of baseball
1: stunning to watch. 117 pitches. You're right on that, by the way, from last night. And uh, listen, Sandy, he's got the dog in him, right? He's just got the dog in him. I absolutely love to see it. He, I knew it. I watched a couple of the innings live last night, and I knew that this was on the cards. I thought, uh, pardon the pun, but um, Mm -hmm. I knew knew there's a potential. There was a complete game going here with Sandy. The cards were so aggressive uh, against him, and usually that is exactly what Sandy Alcantara needs. He wants them to be aggressive because... He trusts his stuff. He'll roll those ground balls all day long. And it was, you know, the Marlins didn't back him up that well. They were kicking the ball around in the infield, the outfield. You know, they weren't <laughs> they good. weren't great. They weren't Not good. good. They tried their best to to lose it. But going in that ninth inning, Avisail Garcia with that two run home run, that was a huge moment for him as well, personally, because it has been a real torrid start for for um for Avisail. Uh, and then Sandy came out, and yeah, like you said, that mound visit. What a mound visit! I haven't seen a mound visit like yeah. that for a long time. Where Donny comes out, you think, okay, that's it. And Sandy <laughs> he's getting, basically just he's starts talking to
0: him. He gets talked to. The manager is yeah. the one doing the talking. This is Sandy's
1: team now, baby. This is yeah. Sandy's team.
0: So I mean, what a what a moment!
1: I, uh, Sandy just basically said, "I've got this." Don, turn back around. I've got it. And then he rolls the double play, and that's Sandy Alcantara in a nutshell. You know, what a pitcher! Twenty
0: ground balls last night. 20 ground balls.
1: That's amazing. And Miguel, you got to call out as well, Miguel Rojas, a shortstop. He is, mm-hmm. he's electric in shortstop. Like it's, it's so impressive what he does there. It's underrated because the bat, obviously the stick doesn't play, you know, it's not a huge offensive threat, but the glove is real, real nice at shortstop there for Miguel Rojas. And Sandy leans on that, really does. So, Big game, obviously for this series that when we're thinking about the Nats and, and Marlins, no Sandy. It's a four-game series for us, yes. but no Sandy for you boys. So
0: yes, they get to <laughs> avoid, praise they the get, Lord. Yeah, they get to avoid uh, the, one of the best going right now. But yeah. you know, I'll, I'll say this is that when it you know they're in six-game under five hundred is is you know I think in this division pretty good. We've seen, I mean, the, the Braves and the Mets. The Braves have been on fire, and especially in this mm-hmm. this last month, they've been great. The Mets have fallen off a little bit, but they still have the division lead by three games, and then the Marlins. There's seven games back, wild card spot. So like it's not it's not out of the picture, but also you know it's 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 a gap. But that's not you're not you're not Stellar dwellers. You're not the Nationals. So it kind of brings us to this next part of this is as we head towards a trade deadline. There's some questions you have to ask if you're the Marlins. Are you a buyer or are you are are you a seller? Because what happens there is, okay, you know you might not be in competition, but could you be trading things away that could help you win down the line? You know the the, the whole point is if you're going to trade stuff away, it can't be stuff that sets you back at all. It's got to be no. stuff that you've like, all right, we've got some, we've got either a prospect ready to go or maybe there's an overload of a certain position. That's kind of the key here, in my opinion. What's your read on the, as we are less than a month away from the deadline now?
1: Yeah, it's the Marlins are gonna. They can go in so many different directions with this. It's going to be really intriguing. It's going to be led by what they do on the field, firstly. So mm-hmm. you know, with twenty-eight games to go in July, uh, and against what looks to be a soft schedule, uh, we've got a decent run, obviously. You know, the Nats, uh, but there's the Reds, the Pirates, multiple series against the Pirates. You know, there's you look at that that schedule and think, could the Marlins have a have a good July and be back more towards five hundred? If so, that maybe changes it. But more broadly, the Marlins don't have a ton of dudes to sell in general like mm. because of the, the levels of control or the, lab, the contract levels or their performance. The only real obvious ones that the Marlins should be selling, Jesus Aguilar at first base. They, they He is blocking someone, uh, Levin Diaz at first base. He's an expiring contract, Jesus Aguilar. And the Marlins aren't going to extend him, and there's going to be no qualifying offer at all. So I, I expect Jesus Aguilar to be moved at some point. Um, just to get a look at, at Lewin Diaz. Then, if things are going sideways, you're then into the bullpen arms, I think. But, go back to last year as well. To your point as well, it's like, how do they make themselves better for the future? There's there's a history here with the Marlins where they'll happily pull a deal, a Zach Gallon, jazz Chisholm-type deal, in at a deadline that could make an impact the next year. They tried to do mm. the same last year. Max Meyer for Brandon Marsh with the Angels. The Angels pulled away from that. I think they'll regret that in the end because I think Max Meyer is, uh, is, is an absolute stud, um, no doubt. And the Angels, what do they always need? They need some good pitching. They need so pitching, I, think, yeah. I think they'll regret that move. I think Max Meyer has progressed. I'm not convinced that Brandon Marsh really has. So I, it's going to be an intriguing deadline for the fish. Let's not forget when they were in the mix in 2020, they went out there and got Starling Marte. Mm -hmm. Uh, they should have paid him by the way when he was in in the organization but they didn't but that's the type move a lot of people are thinking about center field I'm hearing a lot of buzz clearly because like the pirates aren't in it this year Brian Reynolds is a stunning center fielder and a lot of teams need a center fielder there's a lot of buzz there no doubt but I think the price tag is perhaps a little bit too steep on Reynolds for the Marlins to get involved in we'll wait and see, but. Ramón Ramón Lariano, I think, is an interesting one from from the A's. Personally, um, you know, a center fielder there that Marlins desperately need. They they have no center fielder on the roster. They haven't all yeah, year. Yeah,
0: uh, who's been out there? It's been um, Jesus uh, Sanchez primarily. Yeah, I mean, and last night, oh my yep. god! Uh, yep. it, I mean, complete disaster out there uh, last night. And this this is the this another thing too is all right. If you're gonna get somebody, make sure you get somebody who's gonna help you beyond this year because if you're a team that's you know, whenever you if you buy and you're not in a playoff spot, or you're 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 really in the chase. If you're chasing, you have to be so careful. I mean, the thing about the Mets last year, the Mets, you know, went and got uh, Javier Baez, doesn't work out for him, and then you know you don't resign him either. So like, what do you get? Was it? It's, yeah. it's it's not worth it. the juice is not worth the squeeze. Now, right. if we're talking about a guy that's there, you know, moving forward, that's when you get the value. Now, it raises what you have to give, but maybe for the Marlins. That's something they consider doing because boy, I mean, they have they have enough pitching to, you know, go out there and say, all right, you know, we'll give up somebody for someone that could potentially help us in the area that we do need it most.
1: Completely with you. They've got a lot of arms, a lot of pitch in depth in the organization, clearly. Uh, they've got some decisions to make as well with their 40 man as they approach next next year in the rule five. So there's some there's some moves that need to be made. And you know, we all know it. The Marlins have got so many arms. They need to turn one, two, three of them arms into an above-average Major League bat. They have to, and yeah. it's what's been missing. But it's a Major League bat in center field, and they're so hard to find. There's only a few of them out there that are actually available. So it's a tough one for the fish. I know that they've been talking to the Pirates about Reynolds. They obviously did a deal with Pirates for Stallings. So the price tag was obviously too high. They didn't get a deal done. You know, you keep revisiting that one, right? Because the control keeps expiring on Reynolds. The Pirates, maybe they're getting better. I don't know. I'm not close enough to the Pirates to know what they're doing. But yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. I think the fish, this deadline, will be governed by what they do in July. I'm optimistic they'll have a good July. And they could be buyers. And to your point, Josh, I think they'll be buying for not just now. It's not rentals for the Marlins. It will be at least one extra year of control beyond this year in, in anyone they trade for. And ideally, someone beyond that as well.
0: All right, quick word from our sponsors here on the show. Today's show is brought to you by uh, the good folks at LinkedIn. Sun's coming out as we leave the pandemic, and we're in midsummer as well. For small businesses, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. To create a job post, you guys can go to LinkedIn.com, and when you guys do, your job will reach – 40 million people, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every single week. So LinkedIn jobs will help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your free, your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so let's talk a little gnats here, Peter. Some news today that we got, I came across the wire is that the Nationals are back into negotiations um, with Juan Soto. This comes from Hector Gomez, uh, who is an MLB insider, and I believe he works for uh, Spanish publications, generally speaking, but did have this, um, tweeted this out, where he said, "Source, Source, the talks are intensifying between the Nationals and Juan Soto regarding a second offer, from the team for the star for 13 years, $425 million, The extension, which will increase the initial $350 million offer by $75 million. And I'll tell you what, Peter, we had to do the dog and pony show. The, uh, you know, the Nationals people did because after the first offer was denied, which this is how negotiations go, people were saying, uh, it, you know, we got to look to trade him now. We have to, have to do this. The news also came out, Peter, the Nationals looking to be sold. Well, I'll tell you what the Learner family is not going to do if they're selling the team. Trade away the thing that gives the most ass or, you know, give away the thing that is the biggest financial asset. Sure, it's a financial burden, but also Juan Soto puts the jerseys on the backs and he puts the butts in the seats. That's those are the things that we talk about. The reason why Bryce Harper so deal, you know, Bryce Harper's a great player, but you know, he's a guy where it's jerseys on backs, butts in the seats. It's the kind of player that he is. It's you know, it's really worth it. I mean, it it is your franchise in more ways than just 162 or 150, how many baseball games they play every single year. But I have to say this. It sounds like the Marlins' pursuit of Juan Soto is over, right? Is that is that what you're reading from this? The the Marlins are no longer in the, in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. But to be real, the sad thing is y'all might have to see him in the division for the next 15 years.
1: Uh, yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's a really interesting um, conundrum. Like To your point, if you look at this on the business side, I think that's always where you should start because – you know, the approach in baseball right now is these teams are businesses and profit-making ones. And so, you know, if someone's looking to sell the team, you cannot sell the asset of Juan Soto. That effectively devalues the, the value proposition. So it makes total sense to sign Soto for both sides. I think they should get it done. I think, like you said, they came out, bit of dancing around, felt like the CBA all over again. In the end, they'll find a way to get a deal done. And listen, let's not... Let's not, you know, beat around here. The Marlins did something similar with Giancarlo Stanton years ago. Once Soto's that young, this contract is not going to be something that puts teams off. Like if the if the new ownership group come in and go, actually, do you know what? We don't like the look of this deal. They can move on from Soto if they decide in a couple of years, probably. You know what I mean? Like it's
0: yeah. It's so an somebody's going to take that deal. Like the, he's yeah. he's not having. Here's the thing: his down year this year for him is is like still a pretty decent season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's still hitting for power. He's on base is still around, you know, it's, it's 370. Like Josh Bell is having a phenomenal season right now for the Nationals. Mm. His on base is like slightly higher than Juan Soto's. And Juan is, you know, hitting, you know, 70 points lower than 80. Actually, it's like closer to 80 points, 90 points lower than Josh Bell is. It just shows you even when he's not, you know, when he's when he's getting the pitches to hit, he's not doing as good a job of, of, um, of hitting them. But when he's not getting pitches to hit, he's still just taking them like he has been in the past. And so, this he's still a really great player. And once again, like think about his age, you know, he's he's still young. This is a guy that the contract's only going to, I mean, he could realistically, you know, this is not a guy where you assign him a 10 year deal and good Lord, we can't wait to get him off of it when it's over. Like, he no. could ostensibly, in the age of a DH, if he's still a really awesome hitter, he could still be employed until he's 40, 41, 42 once it's over. So, like you said, yeah, like the value of the deal is still gonna be pretty high. Even yeah. if he fishes out the season hitting 230 with 380 on base, I don't think the value of him really drops that much because we've seen what he's done at a younger age before this. And really the team's not very good this year, too.
1: I think that's a factor too, right? It really is like it's tough when you want Soto, you're young. You want to be in the mix. Like he wants to be. He was, you know, obviously it was this big kind of MVP run uh, last year. Yeah you know, his name was in lights. Now, let's be honest, like no one really cares about the Nats this year and kind of Soto, he's out the limelight a bit. There's other guys like a Jazz Chisholm has ascended, for example, um, and other guys. And so it must be tough when you're that age and you want to be in the spotlight. You want to be performing and the team really, you know, it's it's going to be a few years, I think. You know, it's a couple, yeah. you know, multiple years. So, you know, he's going to have to get his head around that uh, pretty quick and decide, am I going to commit my future to, to the Nationals? You know, the reality is, if he's traded elsewhere, he'll still get a similar deal elsewhere. Probably, like it's you know it. It's not like it's the Nats or bust for him. I think he needs in his own head to work out: Do I want to be a Washington National for life? Effectively, that's right. the, That's the question for him.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's the same situation at all. Scott Boris's agent, but like you see the Freddie Freeman thing. I know mm-hmm. he hasn't been around as long as Freddie, but like you know, you see. I and mean, the grass isn't always greener. Now, Freddie got misled, it sounds like, from what we're hearing, and that story needs to play itself out. A really bizarre story. Especially, means- not sure if you saw that. So the guy who tweeted out, Doug Gottlieb, is not a baseball guy. He is like a college basketball guy, and he is the guy who tweeted <laughs> out, hey, uh, it sounds like, you know, the agent misled Freddie Freeman. Bizarre story. It's being denied by the agent. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes out of that. But really just weird stuff happening on that front. And maybe the grass isn't always greener. I will say uh, the specifics Agreed. about this deal – uh, 425 total will be the second largest contract ever, behind only Mike Trout. Um, to one Soto, like you know, some people care about the optics of some things. I would say it's is it's okay to be behind Mike Trout. Like I didn't get as big of a deal as Mike Trout. Okay, like that's understandable. For in terms of AAV, ad, uh, average annual sell, uh, value, be the tenth largest ever, third among active contracts of ten plus years. Trout Lindor. Would be ahead of him, so maybe on that front not as much. But also, when you're signing a deal like this, you're it's a long-term security, right? Like he's still got a, you know, he's still got two plus more years till he's he's a free agent. What you're doing now, much like Wander Franco does, you're securing securing maybe the next four generations of your family's financial futures in one in one moment, and it's worth it for a lot of guys. So I think you know, final offer, but you up the seventy million dollars. Um, You know, we're starting to get a little bit closer to, I think, what makes sense. Does he sign it now? No. Does he sign it even maybe this offseason? No. But, like, this is not just a starting point. Once once we're just – we're with Mike Trout, right, in two categories. We're right behind Mike Trout early We're in the area right now of probably getting re-signed here, I think.
1: Agreed. I'm with you on that. And For me, it just – it makes sense. And I hope the Nats do it. I hope they, I hope they find a way to get a deal done. And to me, it sounds like Soda wants to get a deal done too – I actually yeah. thought I'd been saying about it um, in the offseason because clearly this is one of the things that was coming down the pipe for the Nats. They had to make a decision. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I always felt the contract value would end up starting with a five. I always felt that that would be the the starting point, a yeah. half a billion contract for Juan Soto. Maybe what is seen as a, a slight down year for him maybe is playing into this a little bit. It's kind of like arbitration happening right um you know in real time in real time yeah absolutely so maybe there's a bit of that but i still feel like once soto shooting and scott boras will be shooting for a contract that starts with a five in total contract value
0: i i was always between 450 and five i think that's where i it's, i think it's where still i still believe it might land there mm. now i yeah. think originally you might have been right because i don't think we saw the down year coming so i think it is playing in just a little bit but we'll see overall All right, one more word from the sponsors, then we'll look at the matchups and game times, let you all know how to catch this game, where to catch this game. Uh, But first, a word from our friends from Sports Card Investor. It's a great app if you're interested in collecting cards or if you want to get in on kind of a new way to invest your money and you're a sports fan, Sports Card Investor is the place for you. Breakout stars or prospects, they've got their cards there. You can check the value of or find great deals on their cards. Players like Adley Rushman, Jeremy Pena, Jesus Sanchez. If you want to find his card somewhere there, yeah, uh, you know you can find them. Luis Garcia, K Bear Ruiz. If you're on the NAT side of things, you guys can go to our friends at Sports Card Investor today. Download the Sports Card Investor app, available free in the Google Play and App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on sportscardinvestor.com. Backslash locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online and BetOnline.net. Made some money last night betting on the Marlins. Uh, I think it was like minus one twenty with Sandy on the hill. They come back, I come from behind, get the win, and make me some money. They can do the same for you or any any team. Do the same for you. Uh, MLB playoffs, big UFC pay per view this weekend. There's boxing. There's F1. There's NASCAR. You can bet on that. All that stuff. At uh our friends at betonline and betonline.net, the best place for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news uh, this off also, also, where you're where you're at right now, Peter, we have Wimbledon taking place. You guys want to bet on the tennis? You can mm. at betonline and betonline.net. Head to the website today, use your mobile device as well. You can do it both ways. Get more on the trends and the action. Betonline, it's where the game starts. All right, Peter. So I need you to translate which – I'm going to give you guys the game times for the weekend. Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. It's actually – oh, it's a four-gamer. It's the one that flips to Monday because we have the 4th of July weekend. All right, yep. so your first game is 6.05 p.m. Friday night. What time is that for you all?
1: 11.05 p.m.
0: Okay, Saturdays is at 4.05 Eastern time for you all. But
1: this is my favorite one. This is 9.05 Saturday evening. It is prime time.
0: That's going to be a drink in hand, right? A couple drinks. Oh baby, watch, you know it. To, to, you know to it. watch to watch the fish. Uh and then the next day on Sunday it's a 1:35 p.m. Eastern time,
1: which is 6:35 UK, which is the standard kind of UK time. We love 6:35.
0: And then 11:05 on Monday.
1: That is 4:05 p.m. on a Monday. See, that is that's you get early.
0: some nice game time. You get some nice game times aren't you with yeah. the series. You like that.
1: I, after, after having 3 12.45 a.m. starts against the Cardinals the last three nights. Like, this is like a heavenly matchup now. For, like, of the four, three of them, UK UK prime time. So, absolutely. It's going to be a boozy weekend by the sound of it for me. It,
0: yeah, it's, it, is for, it is for you. <laughs> uh, the first pitching matchup we have, is it's going to be Josiah Gray uh, against Trevor Rogers. Then we have, in the second game, it's going to be Jackson Tetrio going up against Daniel Castaño in game number two. Pablo Lopez and Eric Fetty in game number three and then Braxton Garrett against Patrick Corbin in game number four. Peter, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? What are you looking to see? What, what, what should uh, Nationals fans be looking at on the Marlins side of things?
1: Yeah, here's the key thing, guys. What we should say is jazz Chisholm's on the IL. Um, So jazz landed on the IL yesterday. He's, you know, leading the second base All-Star vote now for the NL. So that's a big blow for the fish offensively, defensively, swag, you name it. So Jazz is on the IL. Joey Wendell's due to be back up, I believe, for this Nats series. So one in, one out for the Marlins. But no Sandy. We've already talked about it. Four-game series, but you miss Sandy. That's a big, big boost for the Nats, clearly. The Marlins, like I've already said, they they need a big July. They need a big, big July. They've played the Nats tough this year they're looking to win this series 3-1 at the, at the least i think and it's going to come down to what do you, what kind of trevor rogers do you get it's not been good like it's not been 2021 trevor you know he's sitting there 3 and 6 with a you know almost a 6 era for trevor rogers mm. but he has it's started to look a little bit more like trevor from last year but then you get into the saturday one and, and you know most people are going, who the hell's dan Costado? who is that um, go and look at him. He, you know, he loves he loves a cowboy hat. He's a fun dude. <laughs> um, he's he's actually pitched great, Dan Castano. A couple of outings of seven innings uh, in the last three. I think of the last three, He's two of them seven innings or more for Dan the Man Castano, which is great. Um, you've got a similar guy in Braxton Garrett going on Monday uh, for the Fourth of July. Um, you know, it's just whether his stuff, whether he's a big league pitcher, whether he's, you know, can he take his game to that level. Um, and see. So for the Marlins, it's a pitch in first organization. Can they pitch well enough? Pablo Lopez has had a couple of rocky starts too after a comebacker in uh, in Houston uh, to his heart, his, his wrist. So the Marlins need to win a series and they've got to pitch well. And Jazz Chisholm isn't there. So the offense has been a bit up and down this year. Um, you need some boys to perform. Avi Garcia off a two run bomb in the ninth. You know, can Avi get his season yeah. going? That is the question. Don't snooze as well on Nick Fortez um people are then going who the hell's nick fortes great yeah, I don't question. yeah backup catcher. Nick fortes? The... yeah exactly backup catcher he just walked off the the mets on sunday uh with a home run in the ninth to walk off the mets he has been lightening up with a stick so keep your eyes peeled by mickey fortes got some jt riamuto vibes i think with him so oh
0: yeah, wow wow yeah. some big stuff there um yeah. The, the thing I'm watching the nationals is their pitching staff has been pretty hot recently. Gray yeah. is coming off a career high for him. Seven innings. It's the most he's given the nationals so far, Patrick Corbin, 12 Ks, in eight innings of work the last time. That was Vincent Patrick back? Corbin. Is he back? I, I mean, I, he's going to have to show me like two months of after, <laughs> he has, he, His decline has been so steady since since the end of 19 that he's going to have to give us like maybe two months of, of good Patrick Corbin for me to even entertain the he's back conversation. But Absolutely. It's, it's going to be happening there. Jackson Tetra was a guy they had to call up, but made a really good – not a guy who's a prospect for them at all, but has become a steady starter for them. Um, Going to remain in that spot because they have injuries to Strasburg and Joe Ross has done for the rest of the season. Annabelle Sanchez has not yet returned. Also, Evan Lee, another guy, got hurt too, so they'll be stuck with him in the rotation. He did really well last time out, um, and so also Eric Fetty had a nice start last time too. Potential trade guy could be a back of the of the rotation guy for some teams that need to secure that and then shift somebody else to the pen the rest of the year. So we'll see how the Nationals pitching. Looks and then I want to see if Josh Bell can just keep raking. He has been fantastic this year, not getting the all star recognition that he deserves. First base is a tough position, but he's been great, yeah. so that's what I'm looking for. Uh, Peter, where oh, I have to mention actually also one thing too. Uh, Jesse Doherty from the, Joe, Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post just said, uh, multiple people that he has talked to say that the reported figure of 13 years, 425 million dollars, is inaccurate. So, um, that is, so we have some conflicting reports. He did say this, the the team has made efforts to sign Juan Soto beyond the 13-year $350 million offer they made last fall, uh, including at least one additional offer. So they have moved beyond. So we're somewhere between 13 for 350 and, and it sounds like 13 for 425. Where we are, we're not sure. But you know, it is news. The fact that we, that we know there is an an offer beyond that one. So there's that. All right, Peter, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? I know you are active in many places and spaces.
1: That's true. I'm mainly, mainly a Twitter guy though, guys, if you're watching the show uh, at Miami Marlins underscore UK, don't forget the underscore. Some people do. So get me on Twitter. Of course, uh, like Josh, Locked on Marlins for me. So instead of the locked on nats, locked on Marlins daily podcast if you haven't worked it out yet. So uh hop on there, mainly Twitter or Locked On.
0: Uh, I love your your I mean here's the thing. I follow the Marlins basically by watching your post game recaps. I think <laughs> you do them in your backyard. Is that where you do them? Yeah. They're fantastic. Uh they are they are fantastic. So Peter's a great follow on Twitter if you're a Nats fan or you're just an NL East fan or a baseball fan in general. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO underscore nationals. You guys can find me wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Peter, it's a pleasure. We'll see what happens this weekend. Same.